And then he stood and he blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord God, who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us, nor forsake us. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. First Kings 8 verse 22 tells us that Solomon began this prayer standing, but sometime before he finished, he fell to his knees in reverence to God. Since Solomon prayed often, appealing to God's promises, it makes sense that he praised God for the past fulfillment of all his promises. Knowing this gave Solomon confidence in prayer. God promised to be with Israel, but Solomon knew it was important to ask God to fulfill his promise. He comes pleading the promises of God. As followers of Jesus Christ, we too should always plead the promises of God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 8 in the book of 1 Kings. Jews, no all peoples of the earth, that they may fear your name and do as, as your people Israel and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. And remember, Jesus is not just a, a Jewish Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world. Remember when uh, the shepherds were in the fields when Jesus was born? And the angels came to them and says, Behold, I bring you good tidings, the angels said to those Shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to only the Jews? No, he says, to all people. That's important for you to know, because someone's going to come along and tell you he's just a God of the Jews. No, what I just read to you, and this, and there's other places too, he's the God of all. He's the God of all. And foreigners, what's really interesting, write down this scripture reference, Right here, where you're at, here in verse 43, write down Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, and let me read it to you. Again, Zechariah 14, verse 16 and 17, and here's why that's important, because in, in, in the future yet to us, we know that Christ will set up his millennial reign. And in this, it says, and it shall come to pass... That everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king in Jerusalem, Jesus, yet future to us in the millennium. They shall come and they shall worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. (laughs) And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. Can you see how that works? And, and, and it's exactly prophesying 
or that's the, pro- the end of the prophecy for what he was saying in verse 41. Moreover, concerning a foreigner, when they come and they hear about you and they come and you know, hear their prayer, and that's exactly what's going to happen in the millennial reign. All the nations of the world will come up to Jerusalem. On this earth, on this earth, to Jerusalem, to a temple that's rebuilt. Verse 44, And when your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city which you have chosen, and the temple which you have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. And when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, Right, Even Solomon knew, Romans 6.23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm sure he got it in a text message. Uh, you know, he was very much aware of that. And you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive in the land of the enemy far or near. Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you, in the land of those who took them captive, saying, we have sinned, we've done wrong, and we have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all of their heart, with all of their soul, in the land of their enemies who led them away captive, and then they pray toward you, toward, toward the, their land which you gave to their fathers and the city, speaking of Jerusalem, which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven your dwelling place their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions which they have sinned against you and grant them compassion before those who took them captive that they may have compassion on them. Now, when did that happen? In Daniel. Remember Daniel, as we, as we look back on those several verses I just read to you, Daniel chapter 6, 10, verse, 10 through 12. Remember Daniel was in Darius's kingdom after Nebuchadnezzar had passed away and, and there were different kings that came after him and, and Daniel led a long life. And he was in, uh, during Darius's reign, remember? And Darius wanted to make Daniel, um, he was a very popular guy and a very uh, high magistrate. And the others were getting very jealous of him. And so they trapped him, remember? They went to Darius and they said, hey, let's make a decree that anybody who prays uh, to anything other than you, or, you know, th- then you know, we're going to kill him, basically. And he's like, sounds like a great idea. And so he signs the decree and they knew Daniel, that he always opened his windows in the tower, wherever his room was, and he always faced toward Jerusalem. He always prayed toward Jerusalem, toward the temple. And they're like, now we got him. And they did. Because Daniel, notice what it says. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and he went into his upper room with his windows toward, open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to his God, as was his custom since early days. So this is something that he did. Now again, now Solomon is prophesying of something that was going to happen in Daniel's life, in Israel's life. And these men, notice back in verse 11 of Daniel 6, these men assembled and they found David or Daniel praying, making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and they spoke concerning the king's decree. And they said, hey, haven't you, didn't you sign a decree that every man who petitions any God uh, or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of the lions, and I can imagine the king's going, oh, what did I do? <laughs> and the king answered and said, the thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. 
And remember, they put Daniel into the lion's den, and Darius knew that Daniel was being set up. But he made the decree, and, and for his own integrity, he had to follow through with it. And remember his pleadings to Daniel. He's like, Daniel, I know your God can save you. Because I think they had a really great relationship. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made him you know, one, of his, uh, one of the few men under his command. But now he, he was trapped, and now he had to follow through with his order, and he's like, Daniel, I know your God can save you. And that's exactly what God did. Saved him. Now, Solomon could have no idea that this was going to happen, but that's exactly what he prophesied of. And here we see it, we're going to see it as we get into in the future in Israel's history when they finally are taken captive See, the book of the, the Bible is a book of redemption. And never forget that. It, it is a history book. There is history in it, but it's a very specific history. And it winnows down from the very beginning of Genesis. It doesn't give us all the details about uh, um, you know, Japheth and, and, um, and Ham. It gives us enough, but then it goes forward with Shem. And it follows it all the way down to, you know, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and then to Judah, and then finally to David, and then to, to Jesus. We looked at that, haven't we? Uh, a couple last couple weeks, and that's why it's such a big deal. And so the Bible is all about this book of redemption. It's very specific. It starts off kind of big with the table of nations, and then it slowly narrows down the focus, right down to Judah, and then through David, and then to Jesus Christ and the fall of man. All that stuff is for a purpose. And when you see it that way, the Bible makes a lot more sense, and then you realize, okay, wow, this is much, in a sense, easier than what I thought. But yet, it's not easy. <laughs> and even Artaxerxes, you know, as, as Solomon is talking here and praying, prophesying about the, you know, when they repent and God would return them back to his land, back to their land, did he do that? Yes, he did. Because at the end of the 70 years of Babylonian captivity, wasn't it Artaxerxes, Longimanus, in 445 B.C.? Didn't he tell them to go? Weren't other kings involved in that too? They sent them and they gave them the money, everything they needed, and said, go back and build, rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls and the streets and everything, the gates that got burned. We'll even fund the whole thing because God put it upon their hearts. Miracle of miracles. Notice verse 51. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt and out of the iron furnace, that your eyes may be open to the supplication of your servant and the supplication of your people, Israel, to listen to them whenever they call to you. And aren't you glad that God's got a big ear? He can listen to us and he can hear our cries. He even knows the things in our heart that we're not even speaking audibly. That's why I think it's so wonderful if you have a prayer language. You know, if maybe you have the gift of tongues. And it is a private gift, I believe. I don't think it's meant to be paraded in the church like it has been in, in, the, in the past. It's a, very, it's a prayer language. It's between you and God. And I think sometimes there can be such a burden on your heart, you don't even know what's wrong with you. But all of a sudden, you're just like pouring out this language that you don't even know what it is, but you're praising God and you're giving Him. You're doing some, something's happening spiritually that you're able to communicate in a way. And, 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 and afterwards, you feel like a million bucks because it's like you've got this weight off your shoulders because through the Spirit, you've been able to communicate to God and God listens. And He knows exactly, even if you are 
don't quite understand what happened. You're in control of the gift, but you're not, you may not even be aware of the, the, the complexity of what's really bothering you. Can anybody follow me on that? I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, you know, i just feeling kind of down today and I don't know why? Well, guess who knows? The Spirit of God in you. And if you have that gift, pray for the gift of tongues. It's a personal, beautiful thing. And yet the church has made such a mess of it, and now we're afraid of it. Because we don't want anything to, most people don't want anything to do with it because it's been so maligned. But it's one of the most beautiful gifts. It it is a beautiful gift. It's not one of the most beautiful, but it's a beautiful gift. But it's a private gift, I believe. And in small gatherings, it can be used, and when it's done rightly, it's a beautiful thing. Love to see the church, all of us, you know, sharing those gifts and being real and genuine about it. And just saying, God, what gifts have you given me? You know, check it out, ask, pray, pray for those. You, you have more than you think. Many people have the gift of exhortation, and they have the gift of giving, and they have the gift of administration. They have many gifts, and they're all laid out for us in Corinthians and Romans. And um, ask the Lord, what is your gift? And Lord, I want as many gifts as you want to give me. To benefit me? No, to benefit the body. And it is a beautiful thing. So go on and verse 54 here. So Solomon, and so it was when Solomon had finished praying all his, this prayer and supplication to the Lord that notice he rose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. And then he stood and he blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord God who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Didn't Jesus say that? I will never leave you nor forsake you even to the end of the age. (laughs) That he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine in which I have made supplication before the Lord Jehovah be near the Lord our God day and night that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each may inquire. And then verse 60, that all the peoples, notice, underline that, all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord, that Jehovah, is God. There is no other. Another little proof text, all the peoples of the earth, not just a Jewish Messiah. You know what I love about the Bible? We're getting close to the end here, but I I just, one of the things I really love is how the Lord, he anticipates things. He anticipates what people might say to you. And then as you read the word carefully, you find that you can use these things. And that's just one good example because there have been many people who would say, well, he's just a Jewish Messiah. He he was born in the line of Judah. He was the Jewish Messiah. Yeah, but he was more than that. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. And you can can go to these verses and say, well, read it and weep. (laughs) That's why it's good to know the word of God. Underline these things. And when somebody tries to pull that nonsense, you can pull your Bible out and just say, you know, Lovingly and respectfully, I've got to show you something. Because this is, what, this is what's true about him. He's not just a Jewish Messiah. It's for all people, all nations. Capish? Yeah, excellent. 
So let your heart, therefore, be loyal to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as at this day. And then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. Now this is going to be a huge sacrifice, a huge worship service. And again, not something that you and I probably would like to hang around and hold hands and, you know, you know I like to teach the world to sing kind of thing. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be bloody. But God is going to accept it. That's why he accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. Cain had this beautiful fruit basket from Kittleburger, you know, with crackers and chips and, and, and cheeses and little log of, uh, you know, sausage and, all, and apples and grapes and everything like that. And, and what did uh, Abel show up with? A slain lamb. <laughs> and God accepted his sacrifice, and that's why Cain got so bent out of shape. Yes, a blood sacrifice. You and I would look at it and go, that's worthless, it's ugly, it's death. And God says, no, I accept that. But I can't accept the other thing, the work of your hands. Then the king and all Israel offered sacrifice to the Lord. And Solomon offered, notice, a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord, notice, 22,000 bulls. 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. And can you imagine that temple mount was just pouring with blood? They, they actually, in, the, uh, in Herod's temple, and I think even in Solomon's, they had a, uh, the, the blood would run down the hill into the Kidron stream, into the, the Kidron Valley, and it would just run red around the time of Passover. And can you imagine what it was like during this? I mean, we're talking huge amounts of blood. And most everybody would be like freaking out and going home and everything like that. And God's like, no, this is, this is right up my alley. And God accepted it. And he filled the temple with his glory. Notice, and on the same day, the king consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord. For there he burnt, burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings because... The bronze altar, the big one that was before the Lord, was too small to receive the burnt offerings. Well, I should think so. Think of all the bulls and all the lambs. I mean, that that was just too much. You only got so many hours to do this. Think about that. I mean, that's huge. And at that time, Solomon held a feast, and all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt before the Lord our God, seven days. And remember, he did this, we believe, on, on, the, on, the, on the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a seven-day feast. And so notice what Solomon does on this very momentous occasion. He not only does seven, uh, he says, uh, he, they did this before the Lord of God seven days, and then seven more days, 14 days, and then on that second, sevens, second set of sevens, the eighth day, finally, he sent away the people and they blessed the king and they went to their tents, notice, joyful and glad of heart for all the good that the Lord had done for his servant David and for Israel, his people. I just think that's wonderful, don't you? And so now he brings in the final piece to the puzzle into the temple and now... They've offered it. They've had the, the, the service has started. Now, from now on, the temple would be a very busy place. 
And they would continue with those sacrifices, all of them foreshadowing, all those seven feasts of Israel foreshadowing in some way Jesus Christ. So awesome, isn't it? And I'm looking forward to being in that new temple in the millennial reign. Can you imagine? Just for a second, think of it. On this earth, folks, on this earth, after the tribulation is over, after the second coming of Christ and we come back with him, he's going to set up his kingdom for a thousand years. And we will rule and reign with him in new bodies. And there will be people that are born. And there's still going to be rebellion, but not like there is now, by any means. Things will be restored to some degree. But what I'm really looking forward to is at the end of the thousand-year reign, when this current heavens and this current earth are dissolved, and then God creates a new heavens and a new earth, and then he brings down this new Jerusalem where he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I believe that it's very possible that new Jerusalem, he's going to set it down, or it's going to be, we don't really know exactly how it's going to be, but he's going to, we're going to dwell in that place, and it's going to be huge. The dimensions of it we looked at when we were in Revelation. It, fi- it would fill pretty much most of the United States, a good chunk of the United States in length, and it's the same length and the same width and the same height. It's a cube, basically, the, the environs of this new Jerusalem. I don't know how that's going to work, but it doesn't bother me. We're going to have plenty of space. But praise be to God. And I love that he just, he's so willing to share with his servants these things and with us. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, this passage. Lord, we thank you for the, the temple. We thank you for what it signifies. Lord, what it foreshadows yet in the future. And Lord, we thank you that you have, uh, Lord, just encouraged our hearts, Lord, that we have such a great expectation, we have such a great future ahead of us, Lord. We don't need to fear, Lord, what man would do to us. We don't need to fear what is going on in the world right now, Lord. You have it all under control, Lord. We can trust you. And we do trust you, Lord. And just help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to be carried away as we read these things in your word, Lord. May it totally rapture our souls that we would no longer be so heavily anchored in this earth, but our head and our mind, our heart, would be sailing away. And one day, Lord, you're going to do it bodily. And we're thankful for that, Lord. Please bless my brothers and sisters tonight, Lord. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit, Lord. Give me a heart that, and, and my brothers and sisters, Lord, give us a heart that res, that's so willing to just desire to be with you and, and desire to turn away from sin in our life and desire to, Lord, uh, to not be silent about what you're doing in our lives, Lord, to be vocal about this to everyone around us. Lord, would you please do that work? And we pray that you'd come quickly and we would ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.